Good day and welcome to all of our My Story podcast listeners. Hey, my name is Jeff Lee and this is the My Story podcast. It's a podcast of real stories by real people, all centered around a very real God. We're so excited. Thank you for joining us today and coming along and being a part of our story. And uh, our plan here is to share with you our story along with others' stories, all in hopes that we shine the light of Jesus Christ into a part of your day. We pray you are well today, and if not, our prayer is that by the end of this podcast, you will be having a much better day. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy this great podcast. Well, welcome, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, let me just start off by saying how appreciative uh, my wife and I are of the support. Man, the calls, the texts, the uh, likes and shares and uh, follows. Man, you guys are awesome, and uh, we certainly appreciate you inviting us in to a part of your day and uh, not only inviting us in and following us, but telling others about it. And uh, we, we are so grateful and we are so thankful. Um, as of this morning, we were uh, right at a hundred uh, listeners and we are so excited. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for um, your support. And um, I've had some text me uh, even yesterday saying, hey, when's the new episode dropping? So we are uh, very thankful and uh, appreciative of your support. Uh, before I get into today's um, episode, I want to give uh, the Bible instructs us to give honor where honor is due. And uh, so I want to give a shout out and an honor to my good friend, uh, Pastor L.J. Harry uh, in Mount Vernon, Ohio, and uh, who is currently right now uh, enjoying some of that beautiful Amish country. I'm jealous of you, bro. But uh, I want to give him a shout out. He has a tremendous, uh, well, he does several podcasts, but um, one of the ones that he does uh, is a very inspirational podcast. And um, it's called Simplify. And if you have not checked it out, check it out. But uh, Simplify uh, is just some short uh, weekly devotionals, uh, some thoughts and uh, wonderful storytelling uh, from the great L.J. Harry. But uh, um, he did an episode a couple of weeks ago um, entitled The Lost Coin. And the Lord really began to deal with me and minister to me through this podcast about the lost coin. And when we get into it today, uh, you'll understand its relevancy. Now, everything that Brother Harry has done is always, he's always connected to uh, today's issues. But uh, in my opinion, um, the story of the lost coin is a very relatable story, especially to those of us that have been uh, 
in church, around church for quite some time. Um, and so my, my prayer today is that um, I can do this justice that uh, the way I felt the Lord wanted me to, to do it today. Um, also want to bring a bit of sad news. And that is, I am flying solo today. <laughs> uh, my wife is unable to join me today. But don't, don't, uh, don't let your heart be filled with despair. Uh, my great co-host will be uh, back with me on the next episode, and uh, so um, you'll you'll be able to hear her voice. So anyway, without any further ado, uh, let's get into today's topic. I'm taking um, our topic today from the, uh, the Bible, from the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. And uh, Luke chapter 15 is a quite interesting uh, chapter. Uh, all of it is very interesting, but uh, Luke 15 is quite interesting as it deals with um, loss, or, or being lost, not loss, but being lost. Now, I guess you could count it a loss for those that have lost <laughs> the sheep and the coin and the son, but uh, it is a chapter of dealing with lost. And so today we're going to dive into the lost coin. And I, I want to go ahead and read to you um, the parable Jesus told here about the lost coin. And it's found in Luke 15 and verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she loses one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost." Then he goes on to say, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And I'm just going to throw this in there. Heaven has a party over one sinner that repents. Think on that. So let's get into this. I want to start this off today by telling you a story. When my wife and I, um, moved to South Mississippi when we were um, invited to come and be youth pastors at uh, a church there. We uh, moved, and at that time, the church there was still in their older sanctuary. Uh, since then, they have moved into a quite larger and new sanctuary. But at that time, when we moved, we were in the old sanctuary. And so we had been there, oh, I don't know, quite some time, maybe even close to a year by the time this happened. But it was after one Sunday morning service. We were sitting around visiting with the pastor and his wife, and uh, there was another fellow minister and his family there, and uh, a couple of others that were just kind of lingering around after church visiting with each other. And unbeknownst, to me and my wife, my girls, my two oldest girls uh, at the time were probably, oh, five and four, four and three. Peyton was, was 
Well, Peyton had just made a year old when we moved, so they were probably, Maddie and uh, Lily were probably five and four, somewhere in there. They were still really small. They decided to play hide-and-seek. And we didn't really know they were playing hide-and-seek. Well, Lily decides to go and hide, and if you know anything about my daughter Lily, you know she is 100% committed to whatever she puts her mind to. She is very strong-willed, and uh, if she's going to do something, she's going to do it. She's going to get it accomplished. And so it was Lily's turn to hide, and so Lily goes off and hides, and Maddie is looking for her. Well, after some time, uh, we're getting ready to leave and, and head out the door, and uh, we find Maddie and, and we say, okay, well, where's Lily? We're, we're ready to go. And Maddie says, I don't know where Lily is. I can't find her. And we say, well, what do you mean? And, uh, she tells my wife that, um, you know, they were playing hide and seek and it was Lily's turn to hide and she can't find her. And so we were thinking, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to help you find her, you know, because we got to go. So we're looking and we're kind of casually looking and we cannot find Lily. And we're looking in the sanctuary and uh, there was a little adjoining hallway into uh, the old fellowship hall and ladies prayer room. And then uh, uh, at that time was the Sunday school wing of the church. And so we're searching Sunday school rooms. We're looking in the old kitchen fellowship hall, ladies prayer room. And we cannot find Lily. We can't find her anywhere. So now we're starting to get a little bit nervous. And so thankfully, the other couple that was there, you know, they had waited with us. Well, he, uh, the minister there, he began, he said, well, let me help you look. And so we kind of started scattering out and like really combing over everywhere and we cannot find we're hollering lily lily answer us lily please answer us we are ready to go where are you lily i mean we even had some people walk next door to the gym uh the gymnasium that was next door and looked around in there you know surely lily didn't go out of the building without our knowledge but hey if she did we need to find her and so now my wife and i are becoming very frantic and we're becoming very nervous um you know, at that time, the church was, was running well over 100, maybe even 150 people. And, uh, you know, that's a large crowd in that smaller building. And so we were thinking, oh, my God, you know, surely, I mean, you never want to think something bad happened in the house of God. But unfortunately, sometimes it does. Um, and so, you know, I mean, when you can't find your child, all kind of thoughts begin running in your head. And so we're looking and we're frantically trying to find Lily. Where is Lily? So after, oh, I don't know, a good 10, 15 minutes, we cannot find her. We regroup in the sanctuary and my wife is panicking. I am sweating. I am so nervous. I'm like, oh my God, my daughter, where is my daughter? And so we're hollering, we're screaming, Lily, please, if you're in the building, please, Lily, where are you? Tell us. I mean, we're, we're opening up closet doors. We're opening up AC ventilation uh, doors. I mean, we're, we're trying to leave no stone unturned. Well, long story short, 
after sweeping the place, and so we thought really sweeping the place, all of a sudden that other minister that was there says, I found her, I got her, and I will never forget the sigh of relief and the overwhelming peace that came upon me that day when I found my daughter. When I found the one that we had been searching for. What happened was in our, uh, the old fellowship hall, toward the backside of it, there was a partition, a temporary divider, and there was a bunch of um, our pastor's things that um, he had moved from a storage building into that particular location. And Lily had somehow managed to get inside, well, get around that partition and get way off in the back behind some boxes and some of the things. We even looked over that partition. Nobody went into the partition, but we even looked over it and said, well, surely she's not in this pile of stuff. But Lily was so dedicated to not being found that even in our frantic calls, she didn't answer because in her mind, she wasn't going to be found. <laughs> but I'll never forget the day, that day. And, and when I was preparing for this episode, I told my wife, I have to share that story because I'll never forget the overwhelming peace that we experienced when we finally found Lily. And in this chapter, this chapter of Luke in a um, series, if you will, of parables that our Lord is sharing, he opens a chapter of talking about a man and a man losing his sheep and how he would leave the 99 to find the one lost. Basically saying that everybody is worth looking for. And while today's message is not on the lost sheep, I do want to pause and say right here that everybody has value in God's eyes. Everybody has a place in God. And so while, yes, while Christ already has... I don't know, would it be safe to say millions? For sure thousands upon thousands. I'd say even millions that are dead, laying in the ground, waiting for that day of resurrection, that all died in their faith, died full of the Holy Ghost, died bearing this gospel and bearing his namesake. Yes, he already has a, a powerful, wonderful church in the ground, but yet, we're still so valuable to him that he is willing to wait to call his church home to give everybody an opportunity to get into the fold. And so Jesus was clearly outlining here that though a man had still had 99 sheep, 
that one was still valuable. And so though we may have hundreds in our churches, we may feel we are, we are um, in a good position. Everybody deserves to be a part of the fold. Everybody has a place. And so Jesus opens up with this story of this lost sheep and this, this shepherd going after his, uh, his lost sheep. And then he turns our attention to the parable of the lost coin, a woman who has been given 10 pieces of silver. Um, uh, in my conversation with Brother Harry and in my research on this story, this 10 pieces of silvery is like a dowry. It's, it's part of the wedding agreement and, and it's what's been given in promise to come and marry this woman. And so to lose this coin is to show herself untrustworthy or to lose this coin and not have all 10 available to present on the day the bridegroom comes uh, it's not good news. <laughs> um, it, it, it looks that she is untrustworthy. It looks that she is not capable of handling, um, you know, handling these, these things with importance. It just speaks volumes about who she is. And so she is frantically trying to find this one coin because th this is a special, these are special coins. These have meaning. These um, were particularly given to her. It's not like she could run down to uh, the local pawn shop and find another one of these coins. This is this is irreplaceable, and so this this needs to be here on the day the bridegroom comes to call. And so we find this story, and then he closes out the chapter with the story of what we know as the prodigal son, the son who requested his inheritance early, left his father's form and his father and his brother and went out, made some terrible choices, wasted all of his money and found himself in a very dire situation, hoping to come back home. And while we look at these three stories we can find that there is really something unique about the lost coin. And here's why this story, in, in my opinion, really just stuck out to me. You see, the lost parable of the lost sheep, the sheep went astray, perhaps misled, or perhaps just due to its hard-headedness and rebellious spirit and unwillingness to be a part of the fold, uh, perhaps a just a reasoning of wanting to quit, maybe just being lazy and didn't feel like getting up that day. Uh-oh, boy, you could preach right there a moment, couldn't you? <laughs> but whatever the cause, this sheep left the fold, got misled, went astray. But this sheep went astray the coin, and then the son. Well, in the son parable, the son purposely chose to walk away. Whether he just decided he had enough 
or whether he just didn't want to farm anymore or maybe him and his oldest brother could not get along. Uh, whatever the case may be, this son made a decision as to where the sheep went astray. This son made a decision to purposely walk away. However, the coin did neither. The coin made no decision in the matter. The coin was lost due to the mishandling of someone else. It wasn't the coin's decision. It wasn't because the coin decided it didn't want to hang out with the other nine. It was simply the coin was lost at the mishandling of its keeper. The coin was lost due to someone's error or due to someone's carelessness. And so this coin was lost inside the home. Now, that's the point I really want to drive home with you today. It was inside the home. It didn't leave. It wasn't taken. It wasn't led astray. It didn't up and make a decision that I'm leaving the other nine and I'm going to do my own thing. But it, was, it, it remained in the house. And it was remaining faithful in doing what the coins were called to do. It remained faithful in hanging on that wire or that string. Or um, uh, most historians said that the ladies would take this these ten silver coins and put them on a cord, and they would wear them like a headdress, like a like a bandana, a headband around their head, and it was it was kind of their symbol of the engagement ring. Nowadays, people would, you know, men would give women an engagement ring, and that's the promise that we're going to be wed before the wedding ceremony and the wedding ring is placed. Well, in in this day, that, that was kind of what these coins represented from what I'm seeing in my study. Now, if I have any Hebrew scholars out there, Jewish uh, historians, feel free to contact me and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm discovering and so they'd wear this as their engagement ring. And so that's why these coins are so important. But so it was in the house. It was, it, it was remaining faithful. It was doing the job that it was called to do. It was serving its purpose. But yet it got lost. It became lost inside the house. It was still inside the home, inside the dwelling place, inside its place of proposed safety, doing its supposed purpose, but yet it was still lost. It, no, whether it had no connection to the other coins, or maybe no connection to the one that was entrusted to keep those coins safe, it got lost. 
perhaps lost by the keeper herself and her failure to pay attention to its importance. Perhaps maybe the keeper entrusted someone, perhaps a servant or a mistress or uh, her mother or someone in the house to help her keep watch over these coins and maybe in moving them a day or maybe in coming in one day and taking off the headdress and, and the mother taking it up to her room and uh, the carelessness of the way it was handled, one slipped off the cord. Or in the words of my good friend L.J. Harry, maybe the daughter was just swinging it around on her finger like a lot of these uh, people do, swinging their key rings, and maybe one flung off. We don't know. The Bible doesn't go into that deep of detail. But somehow it come off of that cord and it got lost in the house. It remained. It was there. It was in the house, but somehow through the day in and the day out, it got lost. It got misplaced, like I've already said, perhaps mishandled by the keeper, by maybe mishandled by others, or maybe just simply slipped off the ring that held them all together. And unfortunately, it happens way too frequently in our churches today. People often suffer at the hand of others. Not necessarily of their own doing, perhaps, but in the day in and the day out of just remaining faithful and just trying to do their best to live for God and be what God has called them to be, they become lost, become lost in the fray, lost in the mundane, lost in the everyday routine. Life becomes kind of a rut and it's just kind of a day in, get up, punch the clock, go to work, come home, feed the kids, mow the grass, drink a cup of sweet tea, kiss the wife and go to bed type moment. And in the everyday and the mundane it got lost. It became normal. It just became a routine. We don't necessarily know when the bridegroom is coming back. And so we're just kind of used to wearing this headdress and taking it off and placing it here and placing it there. And it maybe over some time, it, it even kind of not purposely, listen to me, not purposefully but over time, it kind of does lose some of its value. And if we're not careful, and if we are not engaged in God and the works of God, we too can become lost in the house. It can become mundane and just a rut and just an ordinary routine. It can become just something that's a part of life, you know, in our travels and in ministering out. I can't tell you the times that I have visited with pastors who have said, I'm so worried about people in my congregation. I'm worried about the ones who are not engaging. I'm worried about the ones who can show up and sit during a move of God and never seem moved. That's lost in the house. I'm there, I'm here, 
But right now, I'm currently not serving my purpose because I'm not a part of that cord and I'm not in the row of 10 coins. There's nine on that cord and I'm not there. So even though I'm here in the house, I didn't go outside because the story clearly tells us she finds, she sweeps the house and finds the coin. So the coin didn't leave. The coin didn't disappear. The coin didn't backslide outside. But it was not a part of its purpose. It was not fulfilling at the moment what it was called to fulfill. And I'm reminded of a story where the Lord is preparing a wedding banquet. He goes out and invites folks and they decline. And so he has them treated roughly and tells the servants to go out into the highways and the byways and, you know, get people to this banquet. And one man shows up, a man shows up, not one man, several come, but one man shows up and the Bible says that the Lord notices him because he is not dressed in his wedding garment. He has no garment, wedding garment on. He just shows up in his everyday clothes. And the Lord treats him just as terrible. The Lord of that house, the Lord of that banquet, treats this man just as terrible as the ones who refused to come and didn't even show up. Now, wait a minute. In our human logic and thinking, well, at least the guy showed up. At least he came. The others didn't. They deserved what they got. But this guy, why is he being treated so roughly? Because even though he showed up, he was no different than the ones who refused the invitation. Because even though he was there, he wasn't there. Even though he was at the banquet, his countenance, his dress, his interaction with the people clearly prove that even though he was physically there, he was spiritually and, and, and his mind was a thousand miles away. And I wonder how many of us show up to the house of God on Sundays and Wednesdays and yeah, we're there, but we're not there. We're there, but our minds are on work. Our minds are on the ball game. Our minds are on the roles we got waiting to be put in the oven. Our minds are a thousand miles away from the house of God. And it becomes a routine. I'm not saying everybody doesn't do that at a time or another. I'm guilty of it. I've been in services on the platform, led service, and then sitting in my place while the preacher is preaching and begin thinking of things that I've got to get done this week before I go out of town, or I've got to get this done, or, or this one has a doctor's appointment. So it does happen, but what's dangerous is when it becomes the routine. And when the Lord is bidding us to come and take part and we can sit with our hands folded in our normal routine and never be moved, that's being lost in the house. That is, we're, I don't want to offend nobody. Please hear me. I'm, I'm doing this out of a spirit of love and, and out of a clear burden but that's being lost in the house. We're lost. We're no different than the ones who don't show up every Sunday. Because if we're going to come and we're not going to participate, the Lord looks at us as the ones who are not participating out there. There's no difference between them and us. And so while I know even 
in the season we're coming out of, you know, COVID shutting down the churches and really putting a pressure on things we can do and where we can go and all of this new atmosphere and this new climate that COVID has brought, you know, if, if, if there was ever a time to be thankful for your presence in the house of God, it is now. And so I echo all the pastors that I preach for by saying, thank you. Thank you for coming and being faithful. Thank you for showing up. But it's much more than showing up. It's much more than just having my name checked on a Sunday school list and dropping my offering in the plate. It's participating. It's finding my purpose. It's being a part of the other nine and saying we have a purpose. And our purpose is to be presented on the day the bridegroom comes. Whatever your purpose is. Now, no, not everybody's called to preach and not everybody's called to sing and not everybody's called to play, not everybody's called to teach, but we're all called with a purpose for the kingdom of God. And so we've got to be careful that we don't fall into this mundane routine of, I'm just here, I'm showing up, I'm uh, you know, I, I, I say my little religious prayer when it's time to pray and I, you know, bow my head and, uh, you know, I, I, I may even clap amen and, and all that when the preacher's preaching, but not being moved, not being passionate about why we're there. And so it's very easy to get lost in the house. Now, that's kind of our decision. But, and I know I've spent at least 10, 15 minutes on, on that side of it, but excuse the terrible, terrible pun here. <laughs> I'm not real great with puns, but on the other side of the coin, <laughs> could it possibly be that this coin was mishandled? Or, or let me say it this way. Could it be that this coin was lost, but not by its own doing? Not because it chose to slip off the cord. Not because it chose to not participate anymore. But that it was simply mishandled. It was mistreated. It was serving its purpose. But along the way, it got let down. It got hurt. Things came against it unexpectedly or can I say it this way? The keeper of the coins got careless. Keeper of the coins got mishandled or, or did the mishandling. Maybe caught up in the affairs of her own life or maybe caught up in some trials or situations she was going through. Maybe she just got kind of like the five foolish virgins. She just got relaxed in her waiting. And in her waiting, she began to become careless with her dowry. And so I, I really felt today that there's going to be some in the audience of this podcast that you were serving your purpose. You were fulfilling your call. 
you were doing everything that you knew to do, and yet you got lost. You got hurt. I know this is a sensitive subject, but maybe you were abused. Maybe, and kids may be listening, so I'm not going to get it way off into there, but there are various uh, forms of abuse. Maybe you suffered at the hands of some of that. Maybe it was just simply verbal abuse. Maybe it was just a mistreatment and a mishandle by a leader, someone you trusted in. These coins, the groom put the coins into the trust oh boy, into the trust of this woman in hopes that when he returned, she had all ten and was found faithful. But somewhere along the way, she got careless, she got whatever, just through the ins and outs, cleaning of the house, stuff gets shuffled around. You know, you've ever been looking for something in your house and your wife had just recently come through and did rearranging and cleaning and moving. And boy, I wish my wife was here right now on this podcast to defend herself. But in the Lee household, we used to suffer that quite a bit. <laughs> I'd come home from work and the furniture would be all rearranged. Stuff from one end would be put on the other end and everything would have a completely different look. And then lo and behold, the famous question would be asked sooner or later. Hey, honey, have you seen my... Fill in the blank. Honey, where did my such and such go? And so did that happen here? We don't know, but I have to believe that somewhere along the way, either by her or by someone she trusted in to help her oversee these coins, they got mishandled. And one got lost. And so in the realization one day of picking up her headdress, her dowry, her silver coins, she realized, I'm missing one. So she begins frantically finding the house and uh, combing the house, sweeping, looking, turning on oil lamps and, and uh, breaking out the sirens and the magnifying glass. And she's got everybody in the house turning furniture upside down looking for this lost coin because, you see, there's no replacement for these coins, as I've already said. You can't just run down to the market and replace it. And I want to pause right here and tell somebody, there is no replacement for you in the house of God. You that was mishandled, you that was hurt, you that suffered under the hands of your keeper or under the hands of someone you trusted, or can I say it this way, under the hands of someone that you were placed in their trust. I mean, I'm not going to act like it doesn't happen. Uh, forgive me for being so honest on this podcast, but maybe you that suffered under the hands of a pastor assistant pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a leader in your church, a board member, uh, just an elder that you look to as a rock solid um, um, saint of God that you trusted in their wisdom or trusted in their care and through their carelessness, you got damaged. You got hurt. You got offended. 
you got lost. I want to tell you what I felt the Lord put on my heart. The coins were placed in the hands of humanity. I want to let that sit in. In the hands of humanity, the coins got mishandled. And while it doesn't excuse what happened to you, we all have to take a step back and remember that our leadership, our pastors, our Sunday school teachers, our elders in the church, the ones that we look up to, our mentors, our friends, our family, they're human. And they're going to make mistakes just as we make mistakes. And we, we, we have to be careful because we can't harbor feelings of anger and bitterness over what they did because just like I make a mistake, they do too. And I know we look to them and, and I'm learning as my years go on in church that sometimes we place leaders in a position they're not supposed to be in our lives. Our pastors are not God. God is the only one perfect. Our pastors strive every day under prayer and under the guidance of their pastors and the Holy Ghost to lead us in the best spiritual manner they can lead us. They're doing their best to feed the sheep. They're doing their best to watch over the flock of God. They're doing their best to lead the church, be a good steward of, of the finances, and take care of you and your family and pray for you and your family. But I think a lot of times we often forget that they have families too. And their dads, and their husbands, and and their spouses, and, and, and they have children. And some of them may work. A lot of them work. A lot of pastors and leaders are bivocational, and they work. And so guess what? They're out in the real, real world just like we are. And so they rub shoulders with humanity just like we do, and they get angry, and they get upset, and they may say things they're not supposed to. They experience life just like we do. Guess what? If you live in the same town as your pastor and your electric bill went up, chances are his did too. And so while, yes, they are called to a higher calling by God and, and they are, in a sense, the representatives of the kingdom here on earth to us, to help lead us and guide us to get to heaven, they're not perfect. And they're going to make mistakes. And while this, this episode is not to get you to overlook what they've done to you or to get you to feeling like you're a terrible person for feeling that way by the way they mishandled or treat you, treated you, again, I've already said it, I'm not making an excuse but I'm just letting you know, just as we're prone to mistakes, so are they. And while it hurts, and while it's very detrimental, we can't allow it 
to cause us to be lost. You may not ever be able to attend that particular church again, but that does not give you a reason to never go to church again at all. You may not be able to to worship in that local assembly due to some of the circumstances you and your family went through, but that does not mean that we can stay home and not worship in any assembly. God didn't do it to us. And I'm only speaking from experience because my wife and I have had that happen to us. Times in our past where we were hurt, we were let down, we were felt like we were mischaracterized or misjudged or overlooked or simply just forgotten about. And it hurts, it stings. But I have to remember at the end of the day, it's not God that done it to me. It's humanity. We have to learn to forgive and put it in the hands of Jesus. We must take on the spirit of our God. If anybody knows anything about being mishandled, offended, hurt, abused, it's Jesus. The very people he healed their sick and raised their dead and danced with their children and showed them laughter and life and taught them the word of God, fed them by miraculous um, by miraculous supernatural works of fish and loaves and done all of these great, awesome things, working in his purpose. He was fulfilling his calling. And that same crowd of people that loved him when he was healing, loved him when he was giving them things, loved them, we find when the Pharisees finally come through with their plot to kill him, they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And so I know this has kind of went a little lengthy today. But in these times, we must take on that same mannerism our Lord did that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so we must do the same, even as hurt as we are, even as damaged we may feel we are, even as lost and cold and in darkness. That coin undoubtedly was sitting in darkness somewhere in the house, hiding under a couch, a chair, a sofa cushion. I don't know, but it was in darkness. And i tell you why it was in darkness is because it said she light a candle, sweep the house. So she had to bring light into the situation to help her get into those dark areas of the house. And when she done that, she found the coin. And so in your darkness, in your hurt, in your despair, in your, your, your frustration of, I don't know why, we have to forgive. 
and we have to turn it over to Jesus because if anybody understands, he does. You serve a very valuable place in the kingdom of God. And while it may hurt that you can't or that you felt you've had to make changes or Can I really say it how I want? Even if you felt you've had to leave the congregation you loved, the church you loved, or you felt pushed out, or you felt damaged, or or that community, or whatever the case may be, don't become lost in the mishandling. Let God pull you from the darkness. Let God sweep. He is sweeping now. Even through this podcast, I prayed before I got on this podcast and I said, God, if you could just reach one person that is suffering right now in the house, sitting in darkness in the house and don't know what to do, God, shine a light on them. Reach for them. Save them out of their troubles. Don't get lost in the house. Don't be mis don't don't allow your mishandling keep you from joining the other nine in the day when the bridegroom comes. My Lord. Our ticket to heaven is to be found faithful serving God. Notice what the Bible says. He will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so we must still be found faithful in serving, faithful in praying, faithful in forgiving, faithful in loving God and loving people, just like he did. And can I flip the script here and just say to us leaders, once she realized the coin was lost, she did everything in her power to recover this coin. And as leaders, as pastors, as Sunday school teachers, as youth pastors, elders, mentors, fathers, mothers. We must realize the mistakes we may make and we must do everything in our power to seek forgiveness and to help and recover and restore those that were carelessly mishandled. We should never let our position stop us from humbling ourselves and saying, I was wrong. I shouldn't have handled it that way. I shouldn't have treated you that way. I shouldn't have said what I said. And I'm asking you for forgiveness. Our position never makes us above forgiveness and repentance. And so us leaders who have been placed in charge of the flock, just like Acts 20 and 28 says, we must remember this is Jesus Christ's flock. This is his dowry. He entrusted us with them. And so we must do everything we can. Youth pastors, we must do everything we can. Pastors, everything we can. Sunday school teachers, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, spiritual fathers, mothers. We must do everything we can to present them before the Lord. And so 
or, or such should happen that we carelessly mishandle one of the coins that we're not too big enough or too prideful enough or that we're too afraid of our position or what our peers may think that we can't humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness because at the end of the day, she had to have all 10 of those coins. There was no replacing those coins. She couldn't just run out and go get another one. No, God, the, the bridegroom was coming back for those 10 coins. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 tells us, we who are spiritual, to go and to restore those that have fallen. How do we do that? Maybe they've fallen by us. Maybe by our carelessness. Maybe by our mishandling or maybe by our casualness of life and just kind of casually thinking, you know, we're here and we can do this and that. But let's make sure we're reaching out. And saints of God, the other nine coins, I, I know coins can't reach out to the other coin, but in our essence, hey, nine Let's help restore. Let's help reach out. Let's make a connection. My wife and I, we, we did a poll on Instagram and, and I think Facebook too. And those of you that answered the poll, thank you very much. It was very close between the lost coin and the missing link. And uh, we're getting ready to put together, and I, I may be spilling the beans a little bit here, but we, we're getting ready to put together the missing link. And it's on being there for each other. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time in that today, but we need each other and we've got to reach out. And so if we see somebody falling by the wayside, we see somebody not as connected as they were, we see somebody withdrawn and, and pulled away and, and not like they once were, or if we look around and see somebody not in their position on the cord, like they used to be. Let's reach out and let's help them. Twice in my life, I can very much remember being mishandled and hurt very badly. There have been other instances, but there was two times in my life that I was deeply mishandled. And I went to the other individual and I laid upon their shoulders and I wept and I cried and I never once said, I forgive you. I just begged them to forgive me. I forgave them in prayer, but I wanted to go to them and ask for forgiveness from them and show them that, Hey, I'm not harboring any ill will towards you. And while one was received, the other one was not received. God lifted my darkness and God gave me peace because I reached out and I refused to let bitterness harbor in my heart. And while I'm getting ready to close this podcast today, and I, I hope I made sense, but forgive them. Because when I did, I became free. I, I, I wasn't bound anymore. Yeah, it still hurt. But I was free. Let God 
pick you up today and put you back in the fold. Let God heal you and deliver you today. You don't have to remain like the lost coin. Hey, you've got a great start. The coin did because it was still in the house. And so you that are struggling to hang on, you that is still showing up for church, but you don't know why, you that is still praying, but feel like your answers can't break the ceiling, hang in there, forgive, let go, find your place on the court again. Seek out a friend, seek out a mentor, someone you can trust, have them pray with you and let God restore you. There is so much value in you. She still had nine coins. And while some maybe would have stepped back and said, well, you still have nine. She said, no, you don't understand. And here's where I believe all three stories tie in together in Luke 15 is someone could have told the shepherd, you still have 99. He said, yeah, but you don't understand. That's still one of mine out there. And somebody could have told that farmer, why are you wasting all your time sitting on this front porch, looking down your driveway? You still have one son. He's in the field working. Yeah, but that's not my other son. I have two sons and I'm waiting for one of them to come back home. God is waiting. God is sweeping. God is looking. God is shining light in your darkness. Maybe, I pray, maybe part of that light is this podcast today. But I pray you let him in and let him heal you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for everybody that's listening today. And I ask you, Lord, that you would touch them and be with them. Bless them today. Lord, I pray healing would come into their hearts and their minds today. God, I pray you would save, you would heal, and you would restore. God, restore faith, restore peace. God, take the pain away today. Lord, let your healing mercy and your healing hand, God, reach out to every lost coin in this audience today. And let them know that they are loved with an unconditional love. And God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing and for liking. We look forward to speaking with you again next time on the My Story Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for giving us a listen today. We pray you were blessed by this episode. If you were, or if you know someone who may be blessed by this episode or others, would you help us out by sharing and posting? And don't forget to subscribe so you can stay informed as to when a new episode drops. Also, hey, give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram and drop us a comment. Let us know how we are doing and what we could do better. And as always, we certainly appreciate you tuning in and letting us be a part of your day. We look forward to being with you again soon on the My Story Podcast. <music>